The opinions expressed on this WebmasterRadio.fm program are those of the host, guests, and callers, and do not reflect those of the staff, management, or advertisers of WebmasterRadio.fm. Any rebroadcast or retransmission of this program without the express written consent of WebmasterRadio.fm is prohibited. Cover story. Cover a story or attain that coveted story. Get it? That is exactly what you want. Quoted as the expert, the story, headline, the spin. Every week, join us to talk about all things important to relating to the public. Your public. Craft your image. Promote your products. Create expert status. Become the buzz. Join us with the pros. PR 101. Crazy. Management, media blitzing, it's all here on Cover Story. We're reserving a headline for you. Hello, and welcome to Cover Story. I'm your host, Gian Wei, Director of Product Management here at Focus. Uh, Brandy is not going to be joining us, unfortunately, today, so I'm going to be going it solo. Uh, but I am joined by Stuart Foster, who's the principal of the Lost Jacket blog based out of Boston, which focuses on social media, public relations, marketing, and brand management for businesses. It's currently ranked number 39 on AdAge's Power 150. Uh, Stuart's also the social strategist at Mullen, a full-service marketing agency, and an independent brand within the interpublic group of companies. Stuart, welcome to Cover Story. Thank you, John. So you got a you got a pretty cool title, social strategist. Uh, I want to talk a little bit about how you ended up uh, getting into that position. Um, it's actually kind of interesting because I didn't actually know that I was choosing the title when I made it. <laughs> um, I worked closely with the CCO at Mullen, Edward Bochez, and we were just kind of shooting around, you know, because I didn't really have a defined role at that point. And I was like, hey, what do you want to be? I'm like, oh, okay, I guess I'll be a social strategist. That sounds like fun, because before I was principal, so I don't really know what either means. <laughs> so you went from principal to social strategist. Exactly. Are those vague enough for you? <laughs> those those are, but I mean, they both are probably things that like sound pretty smart. And, and also, like, to get into a position where someone's like, hey, what do you want your title to be? I think that's probably a pretty good position to be in. Like yeah, I was just mad I didn't choose director. That would have been better. <laughs> so let me let me. Okay, so you chose social strategist, and I mean it's a, it's a good choose. And and what what led to that? Like what what makes you what makes you think you can be social strategist? Um, well, I've pretty much been doing social since it wasn't called social. Okay, um, I've been online uh, with BBS boards and you know Usenet, and yeah. I've been heavily influenced by that community coming up and just engaging with those and, you know, finding out after college, oh, you know, someone might pay you for all this knowledge and all this expertise, you know, pertaining to influencer groups. Right, right. And that's that's kind of interesting. I mean, one thing that's always struck me, and I was kind of there, too, I remember we had a computer lab in uh, 1995, I think, which was my second to last year in high school, and we just got this computer lab and we were hooked up to the internet and I'd start using uh, BBSs to talk about the Redskins which are my my favorite team. And uh and but social wasn't like what it is today. Like people weren't really talking about 
social media or Web 2.0, people were just like operating in these different community spaces like BBS and Usenet and things like that. Uh, so it's kind of interesting to hear you talk about BBS and how that kind of led to, to what you're, you're currently titled as. Yeah, I mean, it, it's basically, you know, basically we've transitioned from, you know, old media basically putting up a storefront online to kind of show, being able to come and engage with the actual users that are going and visiting with their content and actually buying our stuff, you know. It's actually kind of a more of a throwback, you know, to more live interaction. Mm-hmm. We're just providing the technology to accelerate that. So you think that's been what the biggest shift has been, has been like the technology that allows for the acceleration of this process to occur? Like this process exactly. is already I mean, there. It, it shortens the sales cycle. At that it creates more familiarity people. with the um, person or business that's involved with the sale. Right. And, you know, it just leads to a more, you know, personal interaction, which is always a better thing. You don't want to be sold to by a machine. You want to be sold to by a person. Right. So as social strategists, what is it that you do exactly kind of on a day-to-day basis? Um, I work with probably most of the brands here at Mullen. Um, okay. I work on Panera, uh, Olympus, um, Stanley. Um, <laughs> work a little bit on Swiss Army, um, Gaia, which is you know a Second Life based thing uh, for younger teens. And I could check. I'd have to pull up my Twitter accounts though. I work on a lot. So. So what happens? I mean, you guys start working with one of these different brands, and then would you come in uh, as a social strategist and talk a little bit about their their broader social media strategy or or lack thereof? Um, Well, you know, we've kind of expanded out our PR um, department into a more of a – it's actually called PR and social influence now, Mm -hmm. um, just because that's where we see that kind of role living, um, just because it dictates the external community strategy. And now we're allowing people to talk back to us. And we're just helping people engage with them and understand, you know, the benefits and downfalls and everything in between. Right. So, you know, we go to these brands, you know, with a PR and social approach. Because that way they get a little bit more comfortable and familiar with, you know, what we'd be doing. And then we're just kind of augmenting it with social. Interesting. And then it eventually becomes, you know, the entire focus of everything. So So you go in and you... You position yourself as sort of PR and social because you're you're going in and ostensibly you're talking to like the PR department, right? Like the PR people within a brand, for instance. We're either talking to the PR people or the CMO. I mean, it really is CMO. I mean, because Mullen's an integrated agency, we can pretty much run top to bottom an integrated marketing campaign. So, but it sounds like from what you're saying, you use almost the PR as sort of like a transitional piece. Like It's like, hey, we, we do PR, we can help support this, and then you get in there and you're like, well, we do that, but you know, it's really become about more than that now, and, and that's encompassed by the social components of what you guys do. Yeah. Um, the thing is, though, is that social is top of mind right now, mm-hmm. and that most CMOs you know, are looking for that kind of expertise. They don't really know where to go or to start. If you frame it with a PR sensibility, they're going to be much more likely to engage and have a better comfort level with what you're doing right. because it sets it up very nicely so, you know, you can explain exactly what the benefits are, you know, have those crisis plans in, that, in place, you know, and just basically ratchet up the social as they become more and more comfortable with it. Interesting. And do you think that's where it belongs? Um, does, does I personally belong with with PR and in PR and on that on that budget. 
Um, I think that it has to be, but then again, I'm a traditional um, PR person <laughs> that's like juxtaposed with a creative. Um, so I'm in kind of a unique place where I get to see both of them. I think that it needs to be involved with every department. Um, I think it needs to be supported by paid um, in terms of media. I think it needs to be supported by creative ideas and design, you know, and great executions. It's just a matter of funneling the through, through all the right channels and the communications needed to go into that. So I think PR is really positioned at the forefront of that right now, just because they're able to dictate an external strategy uh, for communications. You know, they're kind of directing all the moving parts and then allowing everybody to come into place and see what kind of role they'll be able to fill because that's where the immediate expertise is right now is in PR because that's what most places are, like, asking about and, you know, engaging directly. You know, someone doesn't come to you for design work and ask you to do social on top right. of that. It's usually, you know, a communication strategy and social. Right, right. Well, I want to get into that a little bit more. I want to talk uh, specifically about uh, some something you wrote which kind of stuck out to me, which was this, uh, this your most recent article on on the Lost Jacket blog, uh, which was titled "Why People Hate Your Viral Marketing," which gets, I think, a little bit into sort of uh, this convergence of creative and PR. Uh, but first, we need to uh, take a quick commercial break. All right, and don't move. Cover story. We'll be back after this short break. Hey, have you got the number for Jerry's Pizza? Look it up on LocalPages.com. LocalPages.com. Well, what if I wanted a business number in Miami? LocalPages.com. Can people find your business online? Be seen with LocalPages.com on every local listing in all the major search engines like Google, Yahoo, MSN, and Ask. With over 6 billion quality searches a month and bids starting as low as one cent, get connected with local consumers at the exact moment that they're looking for you. San Francisco, Green Bay, London. I told you. LocalPages.com. List your business on LocalPages.com now and get $100 in free local advertising. LocalPages.com, bringing your neighborhood to you. Charles, come on up and tell us about the great ROI we're getting from RevenueWire. Thank you. Since I signed up with RevenueWire, conversions have increased dramatically. RevenueWire has an integrated shopping cart called SafeCart that offers highly accurate sales tracking, boosting our conversions through the roof. And now that they've added multiple international currencies to SafeCart, we're looking forward to seeing significant increases in our overseas sales of PC utility software from LavaSoft, PC Tools, Pareto Logic, and Avonquest. With up to 75% commission, real-time sales tracking, free in-depth sales analytics and reporting tools, campaign optimization resources, and now weekly payments for top-performing affiliates, our sales are climbing higher and higher, thanks to RevenueWire. Find out more at RevenueWire.com. Do you consider yourself a super affiliate? Then listen up. One of the most trusted names in affiliate marketing since 2003, XY7.com, has now launched XY7Elite.com, a private invitation-only affiliate program run by super affiliates for super affiliates. Enjoy private tested offers, weekly deposits right to your bank account or XY7 debit card, XY7 VIP concierge service, limousine transportation to and from major industry events, and the status of being one of the elite publishers. XY7 Elite is not for everyone as you need to be accepted and maintain volume requirements. Think you've got what it takes to be elite? Go to www.xy7elite.com or call 702-216-4000. 702-216-4000. 
life tips. Making your life smarter, better, faster, wiser. Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Eastern, 1 p.m. Pacific. Or on demand anytime inside the entertainment channel. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story. Only on webmasterradio.fm. Here's your host. I'm your host, Gian Wei. Here at Cover Story, and we're joined by Stuart Foster, principal of the Lost Jacket blog and social strategist at Mullen. Uh, before we left, we were talking about how creative and PR blend together, um, and how social and PR blend together. And uh, I want to focus more on that former topic. I want to talk about sort of creative and PR. And uh, Stuart, you wrote in your blog, which which I really I wasn't familiar with it, I have to admit, until I found out we'd be having a conversation today, and then I went and looked at it. And and I have to say, I mean, the first thing that struck me was that a lot of blogs uh, are sort of text-based. People just, like mine is, like I go right. Um, and sometimes I put like a screenshot or two, but yours is this, this wonderful fusion of, you know, of images and video and text. And actually, <laughs> what I normally do is uh, I'd like... I copy and paste onto a Word doc when I'm reading some of these articles, and I read it, and it didn't do the article any justice. I actually had to read it on the, the blog itself, because otherwise I didn't really get the full impact of it. Also, if you noticed a little cool thing when you tried to cut and paste, it probably threw in an affiliate link, didn't it? Uh, I, I can't remember, actually. I can look here. Yeah. <laughs> no, um, it's a cool little tool called tint that I use that um, tracks whenever someone cuts and pastes the URL or any kind of content off my site. Um, and I get to see the click-throughs through it, so I have some pretty extensive analytics set up there. Interesting. Yeah, and I like your yeah. persistent. I like the persistence of the contact and the and the, the feed burner icon here, too, on the blog. But, you know, you, you communicate in multimedia, and I think that's that's really cool. And I, prob- I mean, do you attribute that to your, your background and, or your experience with creative, do you think? Um, I, I wish I was more creative um, visually than I am. Um, I'm more of a writer and an idea person. Um, so I worked in conjunction with my designer, Adam Piznak, who's out of Boston with the 42nd Estate. And we designed that together over about a two-month period and really worked back and forth together to kind of have my vision of what I wanted it to look like come to life. And we created this really awesome, awesome tool. And he's done some great work there. Yeah. Because that's all jQuery-based and, you know, it has all the bells and whistles. So it's pretty cool. And it obviously, I mean, it's good enough to get you onto onto that list. And, and when you look, like, people are having discussions about these types of things and they're tweeting your articles. So, I mean, the reception is, looks like it's pretty significant here. Um, but I'm kind of curious. You wrote this article, and I like the title. Uh, why people hate your viral marketing, and you kind of start out by saying viral marketing doesn't exist unless your content actually goes viral, which to me was very kind of simplistic but elegant in its simplicity. Um, and I want you to talk a little bit about about the article and what precipitated the article. I mean, why did you decide to go and write about this? Well, I just get kind of sick of, because, uh, you know, there, you run into a lot of guerrilla marketing and people that exclusively promote themselves as, you know, the viral experts, or, you know, they create this viral content for you. And I think that's just a common misconception that um, people really don't, you know, the content doesn't necessarily go viral unless a ton of people see it. Yeah. And, you know, 
you can have amazing content, but it's not viral content because it hasn't caught on. It hasn't been seeded properly. And I just don't think that people have a lot of patience and understanding of that entire process because it, it takes exhaustive seeding usually to get something, you know, from a paid perspective or where you create the content and you're promoting it around a brand, you know, to get the legs that you it would really deserve. So what is the process? I mean, you talk about this exhaustive seeding process. What does that exactly mean? Um, well, I have... a. I'm originally a Dig Power user, mm-hmm. um, twice removed, <laughs> um, and I have a lot of connections within the social bookmarking world, as well as a lot of connections with a variety of other bloggers. And through that, you know, you're able to pitch it to the appropriate people and say, "Hey, are you interested? Would this be something that you would be like?" You get feedback on it. You also get an understanding of whether or not the content will be worth seeding. And then, you know, you kind of move forward with the project. Um, But I I think it's just, you know, that is due diligence PR, you know, really just smiling and dialing to a certain extent. Granted, you have those relationships intact, but, I mean, there is a lot of work going in and actually working to get those hits. Right. And you're you're striking on something interesting that I wanted to get to later, but uh, you're striking on it now, so... I think maybe we should talk about it now, and that's this this new area of influencer relations uh, that that we had been chatting about before the show. Um, now, you mentioned you have relationships, or you're a power user on Dig, and you have a kind of prominence in some of these social bookmarking sites, and that what, that's what allows you to kind of seed content that you know then has potential to go viral because it's been seeded. But it seems like precursor to that is the relationships that you've established and sort of like this credibility that you've established. Would you agree with that or not? Exactly. I mean, I, I view myself as kind of a PR person for social bookmarkers. I don't think it's a relationship that a lot of people have cultivated in any great depth. I think they're kind of overlooked to a certain extent. I think mm-hmm. that's really kind of unfortunate because these guys can literally move hundreds of thousands of eyeballs if you give them the opportunity. Um, it's just a matter of them leveraging their networks. And you've got, you got to think about them, you know, well, this person has a voice on this platform. It may be their blog. It may be this entire community. You know, and if you think about the community as the blog in which you're getting a press hit on, right. then it suddenly becomes more valuable for that person, you know, to be seated with that content. Right. Well, you know, I mean, okay, here's the thing. When when I think about, like, Dig, and I think about people's strategies on Dig, for instance, it seems like a lot of people's strategies in, on Dig, if you were to ask, like, a lot of PR people, you know, how do you involve, how do you bring Dig, or how do you bring some of these other social bookmark sites into the process? They're like, well, you know, we may put out a press release, and then we'll go dig it. Um, but that seems, yeah, that's like, sell. in the context of what you're saying, I mean, that seems like, <laughs> go ahead, what, I'm sorry, what were yeah. you saying? That's going to fail miserably. I mean, it needs to be in the correct process. There's a whole style in which the piece needs to be written, retrofitted. It needs to have a lot of extensive media therein. And right. it needs to appeal to the specific audience that it's actually going to. I mean, I've been able to get press releases onto the top of Dig, but that was three or four years ago. Mm-hmm. You know, when it wasn't as prevalent. And it wasn't, I mean, it was still prevalent, but I mean, the restrictions and actual process for going through was a lot more complicated. I mean, less complicated. 
but this is really this is really interesting. There's a, you're saying there's a whole formatting, uh, there's a whole etiquette for how to engage in this community, and like if you follow that that those rules of etiquette, and you know those rules of etiquette, you're more likely to be successful uh, than if you're not. Exactly. It's like ret- retrofitting a press release to be like more like a blog post, you know, with a lot of media and videos, you know, lists. Obviously, there's a big reason that lists are so popular on the Internet is because people enjoy right. reading them. It needs to be scannable, um, you know, and you need to be able to get those quick hits, you know, of just seeing, you know, someone and glancing at it for like 15, 20 seconds is going to look at it and go, oh, okay, you know, like I'll come back to that or I'll read that later. You know, whereas with the press release, it's so dense and not broken up, and usually there isn't a lot of media attached to it. It's just a lot harder for, you know, that kind of content to gain traction online. Let me let me ask you this then, just tactically. Uh, I'm a PR person. You know, let's say I'm with, I work at Vocus, and like, let's say we don't have a big presence in DIG, but we want to reach out to that community because we feel like our news is going to be relevant. Would you say a better approach would be trying to find out who people are in DIG who are already sort of influential in DIG and then trying to form a relationship with them and use them as a conduit as opposed to just going and posting ourselves? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, Just because, I mean, really, a place like DIG is pretty much based upon the relationships and the people that you form, you know, kind of alliances with to a certain extent. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there are certain people within a community that have more voice. And if it's brought to the forefront and you're transparent with it, you say, hey, you know, I think you might be interested in this. And obviously you have to approach it like you would any other medium. You know, you pitch it to them. They say yes or no, you know, and you move along to the next person. But, I mean, just submitting it underneath, like, you know, your company's name or something right. like that isn't necessarily going to be effective just because, first off, you don't have the network there built up, right. or at least I'm highly doubting it. And I mean, because I see, I bet most businesses that submit press releases to DIG see one DIG and never go back there again. If that many. I'm guessing that's the and process. That, that means they're, like their DIG. But uh, yep. let me, look, look, I want to get into this more. This is, this is something that I haven't talked about that I think people really want to know about, especially because people are very active in these spaces, but I don't think they're active necessarily in the right ways. But we got we to gotta cut away just for a couple minutes here and go to commercial break. But when we come back, I want to get into more about how to get involved in some of these social bookmarking sites and the potential uh, that's, uh, that exists once you are involved. Mm-hmm. Sit tight and don't move. Cover Story will be back after this short break. SEOSeek.com is your one-stop site for everything SEO. From search engine marketing to pay-per-click management, SEOSeek.com delivers high-quality SEO services at affordable prices. SEOSeek.com can help you with SEO analysis, monthly reports, title and meta tag optimization, email support, and so much more. Want to keep your SEO in-house? Let our professional trainers teach SEO to your staff. Get a free quote and a free competitive analysis today at SEOC.com. Hey, this is Danny Sullivan to talk to you about Bruce Clay Incorporated. They've made Inc. Magazine's list of growing private businesses and have exhibited and sponsored at my conferences since the very beginning. You've seen their search engine relationship chart or you've read their SEO code of ethics, seen other SEO experts, but did you know they can help you with PBC, web analytics, web design, marketing strategy, promotion, and branding? Yep, get everything you need for success in the online marketplace. You can check it out from the professionals at Bruce Clay Incorporated. For over 10 years with offices worldwide, they've got the answers you need. Check them out today at BruceClay.com. 
Friend Finder. Friend Finder. The world's largest online dating network. Featuring over 100 million profiles. At hot sites such as Passion.com and FastCupid.com. Represents enormous profit-making opportunities for webmasters just like you. With Friend Finder's ability to geo-target and provide billing solutions in most languages and currencies, you are sure to find our comprehensive network to be a good friend to your wallet. wallet. Get more traffic-maximizing details now at FriendFinder.com. The WordPress Community Podcast, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, or on demand anytime inside the Internet Marketing Channel, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Commercials off. Now back to Cover Story, only on WebmasterRadio.fm. Here's your host, Gian Wei, and uh, talking with Stuart Foster uh, from uh, Mullen Full Service Marketing Agency uh, located in Boston. Um, before we cut out, we were talking a little bit about uh, Dig, and we were talking about you know, how to retrofit content for Dig appropriately, um, the importance of having a network built up, and we were where we were going was what people who don't have a presence should do, which is start looking to build a relationship with people who do have a presence in that community and have them be sort of like a conduit or a liaison and have a conversation with that person. And if that person likes what you're saying, maybe they'll go share that with their community um, and I want to talk a little bit more about that because I want to I want to get into I want to get into the shoes of a PR person who doesn't necessarily have a presence in Dig and maybe I don't know about you know how to put my content in Dig and and, and I, but I but I want to reach out to that community because I've read it and I know that uh, a lot of content that is popular there and is shared there is relevant uh, or is similar to the content that I have to share so. Can you just walk me through really simplistically, you know, how I would go do that? Well, I think that you first need to just set up your base of operations, you know, and you need to, you know, really go through and start establishing and emailing and finding out who the power users are and who the people are, you know, that you would be necessarily, you know, conduits for your content. And the same is true on places like StumbleUpon, Dig, Delicious. I mean, it's all basically the same show, just slightly different rules. How do I find out who those people are? Like, you know, like, I mean, there's, for like, if I want to find out who our journalist is, there's different database software utilities I can use, or, you know, uh, I'm just, those how, databases how do I find out who, exist who online as well. Um, the one that I use for Dig is socialblade.com. So, okay. Okay. Interesting. Um, so that's almost you, like a directory you know, of top, different influencers. Top 100 users of Dig, you know, up to 1,000, I think. Uh-huh. Um, and I'll tell you all the information that you could ever possibly want to know about Dig. And it's basically just pulling in APIs and just kind of, like, categorizing them. And the services exist for other things like Reddit. But, I mean, the Dig one is just far more comprehensive and easier to use. Interesting. And so let's say I find someone, and um, this is, like, the right person, and they're well-connected, and, and, they, and they have a lot of influence in that community. What then? Do I just email them and say, hey... Guess what? I got this cool Can you share this with your community? <laughs> Call them. They'll scare the crap out of them. <laughs> Just because they're not expecting, you know, any kind of right. reach out or response or anything in that manner. And, you know, if you approach them like a professional, real person, like they are, I mean, and, you know, you just have to approach them like you would a journalist. You know, if they're going to be interested, I mean... What kind of a relationship do you want to have with that journalist? Is he more likely to respond to an email or a phone call? I know most of us are more likely to respond to a phone call. 
And at this point, it's pretty easy to find out the information needed to get, you know, someone's, because they're on Twitter, on Facebook, um, phone numbers are pretty much freely available by these guys. They pretty much list them on each profile, um, you know, and, and just kind of starting a relationship from there. So really just try to figure out what it is they write about. I mean, this is no different than, I guess, with journalists, is you figure out what it is they write about, who they are, What's their reach beat, out to them. You know, who's, really what are they interested in, you know, yeah. and then come to them with, you know, interesting content that they think would be valuable, you know, and it's and they're pretty much the content gatekeeper, um, and they're going to decide whether or not they're actually, you know, interested in submitting and, you know, engaging with your content. And they're very likely to give you back advice on whether or not it's good or not. So let's talk a little bit about the results. I mean, when you, you've obviously done this, you yourself are a power user in DIG. What are some of the types of results you've seen? Um, about 10,000 per hit. Really? I mean, just a typical, you know, run of the mill, like 3 o'clock in the afternoon. You know, you can average about 10,000, you know, in the uniques just from that. Um, depending on the popularity and the virality of the content, it could probably go up to, you know, upwards of 100,000, 500,000. I mean, that's but, incredible. You know, that... No, seriously. But, I mean, just like, do you, guys, do you guys sit back and think, okay, well, Google charges this for this traffic, so, you know, we go and reach out to these people and we get this, like, this is the quantitative value of us reaching out to these people? I don't try to think of it that way. I just think of it as, you know, providing content to the right people and putting it in their hands. I don't try to quantify it in any way. Um, I just know that people like eyeballs. <laughs> you know, we probably quantify eyeballs to a certain extent. But I mean, I feel like that's I don't, a very I don't really like social strategist type answer to the question. I mean, like, but like you have you have a hundred thousand people. You drive a hundred thousand visitors to a site, and Google, like for that, like Google will charge fifty cents a click. That's like that's like fifty thousand dollars right there. I'm just, I'm yeah. just saying. Yeah, I'm just. Saying. Um, <laughs> just because I do it with the larger brands, and I mean, I'm not really responsible for some of the contracts. I mean, and the, the right. also thing is, you know, you don't have a guaranteed hit. Right. You know, sometimes no matter the best efforts that you put forward, you know, it won't go. For sure. And and would you yeah. ultimately? link that to the, the value of the content itself. I mean, you can have the best network in the world, but, you know, if you don't have the if great the content... content sucks, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I mean, you, you could put out, you know, some... I mean, obviously, you know, you got to fit the market. I mean, because, you know, it's primarily an 18 to 35, mostly male audience. Right. You know, and if you go there pitching, you know, something from 17, it's probably not going to do well. I mean, and right. the same thing could be said for, like, AARP or something like that. Right. It's just knowing your audience and seeing how you could be effective with that. Yeah. So, is this this in just generally speaking, this is the type of of, uh, of counsel you provide to clients, or is this like your you know your own non? This is just counsel? one of the many tools that I have in my case. Yeah. In the arsenal. Um, uh, I, I mean, it, it's it's a nice augmented thing to have, but I mean, it by no means. I mean, I deal extensively with community development, mm-hmm. understanding you know the basic layout, you know, working with the vendors like Telgen and Mazinga and KickApps and things like that, building out internal and external communities, engaging directly with Facebook, and just kind of building out a strategy around social in that way, and kind of going out and taking them to the marketplace. So for any of our listeners who want to learn more about 
the types of things you're you're saying. I mean, the, the lostjacket.com blog is probably the best place to look. What if they're interested in in talking to you about uh, doing some doing some work and getting you guys involved with some of the projects that they're working on? Where's the best place for them to go? Um, I can. You could either email me at Mullen S Foster at Mullen dot com, or just approach me through the contact form in the lostjacket dot com, and I'll direct it appropriately. Okay. So. We have been talking with uh, Stuart Foster, who's the principal of the Lost Jacket blog. Uh, again, that is uh, the blog we've been talking about earlier today, specifically the article, Why People Hate Your Viral Marketing. Uh, yeah, I urge everyone to go take a look. Uh, I've just subscribed myself. There's a lot of other cool uh, blog articles in this blog that I haven't had a chance to read. I want to read specifically why the, quote, social media experts, end quote, are smarter than you. Uh, and yeah, end quote, that was kind of obvious than the end quote. <laughs> <laughs> those, are, those are fantastic titles. Um, but I, I recommend everyone go visit that blog. Um, and again, Stuart is the social strategist at Mullen, a full-service marketing agency and an independent brand within the Interpublic group of companies. Uh, Stuart, thanks for taking the time to talk with us here today at Cover Story. All right. Thank you, John. All right. On behalf of uh, everybody, I'd like to uh, say take care, and we'll see you uh, next week on Cover Story. All right. Thank you.